Tonight, we're going to uh, just go into our next section of the study we've been doing on overcoming the wounded heart. And uh, we, we have four elements or four different aspects of dealing with wounds in our life. And the first one is the wound itself. And uh, like we said last time, everybody's got wounds. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, you're not special that way, that you're the only one that has wounds in life. Everybody has them. Somebody has big wounds or little wounds, uh, traumatic wounds. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it, it just various as far as what you go through in life. Uh, and I've dealt with many people that have very tremendous wounds and others that have little. And, but I want to explain something here. This next section, those, like I said, there's four things. There's wounds, but then there's also lies. And this is where, with your wound, you have a choice. You have a choice to allow Satan to plant lies in your wound and for that to produce all kinds of terrible consequences. And uh, you, you know what that's like. And many people do that. And because of that, it seems like their wound is greater than, than somebody else's wound because they are taking it in such a way and their emotional life is in such an upheaval. But that's not necessarily true. You can have someone with a very uh, great wound in life and yet they don't have all those effects of that because they've allowed the good farmer to plant the seed. They allowed truth to be placed in that area and uh, instead of lies. When a lie gets planted in your heart, that's a pretty serious thing, and it has a profound impact on your life. And so whether your wound is big or small, uh, like I said, it's not about how big or small your wound is. It's about how big or small the lie is. Uh, the lie is what produces the issues in your life, not the wound. Uh, we all have them. The Lord has actually, uh, when the Apostle Paul went into ministry and God called him, he said to Ananias, go tell Paul the things that he must suffer for my namesake. Uh, suffering, we don't like that. We like to go through things and things be easy. And we somehow look at suffering as, in our life as something that shouldn't be there and something that God for sure doesn't want in our life. <clears throat> Yet, if you read through the scriptures, it's plain to see that God allows suffering and God uses suffering and even ordained suffering, not just for the apostles, but for God's children. He wants, he allows us to suffer and not so we can become uh, out of control, not so that our emotional life can be in an upheaval. Uh, that's only if we handle it wrong. We're allowing lies in there and of course you will have a difficult time. But he allows you to have suffering so that truth can be planted in there and God will use you in that to make a, a profound impact in people's lives as you go through trouble in your life. And it's all how you allow, which farmer you allow to plant a seed in that overturned soil of your heart. Amen. And so we want uh, the good farmer. Today I want to talk about the aspect of lies, the second part. Actually after lies, uh, what you have is vows. So whenever you get hurt and a lie gets planted in your heart, you come up with vows. Vows are the way that the flesh says, well, I'll take control of this. I'll, I'll make sure this doesn't happen again. So if you ever get abused and through that abuse, you started to feel bad about yourself or you have identity issues or you feel like garbage or you feel you're dirty or whatever it is, uh, if you do not deal with that lie, you're going to start making vows. And those vows are, are a product of your flesh. And your flesh will, will make 
promises. They'll say, I will, I will never do, do, do. Uh, you know, your family maybe gets hurt through some situation. I will never let my family get hurt again. That's a vow, but that's impossible for you to keep. <laughs> you just have no power over that. And so you're making these flesh statements, these I will statements to control your situation, when in all reality, the Lord doesn't want you to control your situation. He wants you to surrender that wound to him so that he can put the truth in there and he can use it for his honor and glory. Amen. And if you allow those vows to take place in your life and you start making these vows, what's going to come off of that? So you have the, the earth that's been turned up. You've got the seed that's been planted. The vow is that vine that comes out of that seed. And then the strongholds are the fruit that comes off of the vine. And the strongholds of your life is your depression, is your um, bitterness, your anger problems, your addictions, whether it be alcohol, drugs, whatever, to self-medicate, whatever you do. That's the result of having the flesh say, I will. Uh, that's your way of doing it. I'm taking control now. And so, you know, and that's why you blow up so easily. That's why when something goes opposite, you, 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 re you react to that. Now, we know the scripture in no way condones that. Uh, in fact, the example that Christ has given us in 1 Peter chapter 2, 18 to 24, is where he says, I've given you these things that you follow in my steps. Uh, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So he went to the cross. He did no sin. And neither did anything come out of his mouth that was guile, that was filthy or perverted or not true. And that's exactly what happens when we don't handle things right. The stuff that comes out of our mouth is not truth. We speak guile, uh, things that are corrupt. And yet the Lord, what he did is he committed himself unto him that judgeth righteously. So even when he was on the cross, being hammered to the cross, he was able to because he committed himself. See, this is why you say, I will. I will control this situation because you cannot trust yourself in the hands of God and you blame somebody else for why your life isn't where you think it ought to be. And so the Lord could be on the cross saying, hey, why am I here? <laughs> I'm the innocent Lamb of God. I didn't do anything to deserve this, but he didn't do that. He took it and then he committed himself unto him that judgeth righteously. And when that took place, what took place, his, his heart was freed to respond. So you can either react to your pressure or you can respond. You can only respond right when you commit your situation into the hands of the Father. That's when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. <laughs> he was already interceding for us on the cross before he even died. <laughs> Amen. Father, forgive them. And so those four things... Wounds, lies, vows, and strongholds. And so you know, like the Bible tells us about the false teachers, by their fruit, you will know them. Uh, by the fruit in your life, you'll know that there's something wrong. And so if you've got this stuff coming off the vines, then you can trace it back. Well, there's a few I will statements here. And not only that, there's a few lies that I've allowed to get buried in, in my wound in life. And, uh, and so we have to deal with that. And so today, today I want to talk about that in relation to lies. First thing I want to talk about is the power of lies. The power of lies. What you believe will drive the way you feel. You feel always what you believe. Okay, that's, that's a per, the important thing to understand. 
Your feelings are always a result of your belief. Now, your belief may be wrong. You could be a, it could be a lie, it could be an error, but you know what the truthful thing is? The truthful thing is your emotion. Your emotion will always truthfully reveal what you believe. Amen? Even though what you believe may be wrong. <laughs> so the emotion is not your problem. So you don't go to the hospital and get a bunch of pills and numb out your feelings because your feelings are your thermometer to tell you that there's something wrong. And it tells you exactly whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing. If I got peace in my life, I don't want the peace to go away. I want it to stay. Amen. And the reason why I have peace <clears throat> is because I'm believing the right things. Even in the midst of trouble. Even in the midst of going through something horrible. Uh, we were talking about even the Weeb family, the Fafneroth family, going through their trial of losing their daughter to drowning uh, this last couple of weeks ago or a week ago. And, um, and the peace that they have. Now, why do they have that peace? Why could the father of this daughter that had drowned, how could he stand up in front of the people and actually preach the message for the funeral for his seven-year-old daughter and do that effectively? Well, he could do that because he had peace in his heart based on what he believed. The belief produced the peace. Amen. Now, this is where Maybe, I'm not saying everyone of us should be able to preach a message, you know, when something like that happens. Of course not. Uh, we all are a little different. But, you know, but that's where we handle uh, hard situations differently because we have different core beliefs in our life. And the way we handle problems, we immediately revert to what we believe. And that's what keeps you either on top in peace or that's what keeps you in turmoil uh, going through these things over and over and over again, a cycle of bad behavior or bad emotions or trauma or, or uh, depression or whatever you call it, you know. And folks, I'm not here to, to challenge the whole psychological system of the world. Uh, you know, the world can do what they want. <laughs> you can, they can die. You want to go to them to diagnose you, they will diagnose you till the cows come home. And if that's what you want, you go ahead and do that. But my whole thing is this. At the end of the day, what are you feeling? What are you feeling? And is that positive or negative? And did they tell you that it's normal for you to continue in that? Well, I'll tell you something. That's not the way the Lord wants you to live. He wants you to be at peace in your life. And he promised you could have that. He says, my peace I give unto you. Amen. And so that's where I have differing opinions here. <laughs> I believe that because we're Christians, because Christ is in us, that we can have victory in every situation of life. And we don't label ourselves and keep us in a diagnosis for the rest of our life. And now this is what I am. Sorry, uh, can't get over it. <laughs> well, yes, you can. And you're obligated to because there's a God that gave you a Bible. And he brought light into this world to reveal to you that there's an answer to your problems. And you have an obligation and a responsibility to seek for that answer. And the Bible says this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. They like to remain in darkness and they create systems to keep them in the darkness. Well, that's not the way the Bible wants you to live. He wants you to be in the light. He gave you the light. And if you truly love God and you want to do right, you will walk towards that light no matter how hard it is to peer into the face of that trauma or whatever situation you're, you're facing. You have to do it if you want to get over this. Amen. And so I uh, hope this is making sense to you. All right. Genesis chapter four. And uh, I've, I've mentioned this before. I don't know if I've ever 
laid it out methodically in a message like this, but I use Cain a lot. Whenever I counsel somebody, I'll always go to Cain as the, as the pattern for dealing with emotional problems. Uh, because Genesis chapter 3, we had sin come into the world. Sin corrupted everything. Genesis chapter 4, you see the, the, the effect of that sin. And you also see God showing you how to deal with it. And it's very effective. And so in Genesis chapter 4, we'll read the first five verses to start. It says, And Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no, not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Now, this is the first sign of trouble. When your countenance falls, when you are doing okay and all of a sudden, ooh, <laughs> you know, something just gripped your soul. Uh, something isn't right there. And that's where you have to start your, your, your journey to find your answer. The Lord helped us understand that here. It says in verse number six, and the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? And then he goes on to say, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. He was jealous towards his brother because his brother's sacrifice or his offering was accepted and his was not. Uh, his the Lord had no respect for because he gave of the cursed ground. Like I said this morning, everything in the first day, six days of creation is cursed. None of that impresses God. You can't offer anything that was created in the first six days and God's going to say, oh, that's good enough for me because it's all tainted with sin. Amen. That's why at the end of this age, it's all going to be destroyed. It's going to be wiped out. Uh, it's going to be restarted. It's called, it's called the perfect age where there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and that's going to be not tainted with sin. Amen. But first he's got to deal with sin and basically the whole Bible and the whole history and everything to the future that pro is prophesied is dealing with the problem of sin. And at the end of this age, sin will be adequately dealt with. Amen. It'll be obliterated and we'll have a new life with the Lord where there is no sin, a new earth and a new heaven where it will be acceptable to the Lord. Amen. But this is cursed earth. And so Cain tried to offer cursed earth to God. And God just said, I'm sorry, I can't take that. I have no respect for that. Abel, of course, offered what God asked for, because in Hebrews chapter 11, we know that the Bible says that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. And it was actually the hall of faith. We call that the, 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 the faith people of the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11 where it's telling us those people that acted by faith. There's always an action word attached to their belief. Amen. By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Noah warned. By faith, Abraham did this. There's always an action based to the act of faith. Amen. It's not just, oh, I believe God. No, what follows that belief? <laughs> faith always has an action word behind it somehow. And you can say, I believe God and I've trusted him. Okay, that's a salvation word, amen. But if you trust God in your personal life, there will always be an action word beside that as well. 
because faith without works is dead, by the way. Amen? And so Cain believed he was unacceptable because his sacrifice was rejected by God. He said that, I am not acceptable. I am unacceptable. Now, I'll tell you something. There's some common lies that people believe. And as I've been counseling with people, they they come over and over and over again. You could almost choose out of five lies (laughs) that most people believe in their life. One of them is, I'm unlovable. Another one is, I'm defective. There's something wrong with me. The devil has convinced them there is something defective about the way they're made. And so it's always a personal identity problem. All right, that's why we have today the problems we do in the world. That's why there's the gender issues. That's why, what is a man, what is a woman? Nobody wants to give a definition. Like, duh, what's wrong with you people? Amen. Folks, we've got to understand that that's a result of lies being planted. That's a result of of, uh, lies in their heart confusing their identity. All right? And if we would have God back in our life and we'd have the scriptures back in our life and we would start walking with God again, you would have no identity problems. You would deal with it. The lies are what's causing you the issue here. And so, uh, I'm lovable, I'm defective, uh, I'm worthless is another one. Uh, I am unacceptable. I'm unacceptable. Nobody accepts me for who I am. And that's something that, that Cain had a problem with here. Um, now, we know Cain had an inner sin problem. His works were evil. He did not do the right things because of this lie in his heart. And that's why he offered the curse thing. He wanted God to accept what I choose. And that's why many times we, even as Christians, we, God, you're going to accept what I'm going to do for you. Well, he never asked you to come up with a plan. <laughs> Amen. He never asked you to figure out what your place is. He just wants you to follow him. And he wants you to do what he's asked you to do in the scripture. And as you do that, and as you find your, your place in life, as you find your local assembly to join in, as you're baptized, as you give yourself to the plan of the local assembly, God will begin to expand that knowledge of what it is that he specifically wants you to do. And he does that through scripture, and he does it also through the Holy Spirit in prompting you. Amen. That's what God wants you to do. So there's a process there. But Satan's coming along, he's trying to plant lies in your heart to try to get you sidetracked, uh, messing with your identity. So Cain, instead of seeing the truth in the rejection of his sacrifice as being unacceptable because it was simply cursed, it was a cursed earth because of the sin curse, he chose to believe that he was personally unacceptable to God. And this is it. I've had people say, well, my parents don't love me. You know, I have nothing to say to that. I can't tell you they do or don't. You know, because there are parents out there that genuinely do not love their kids. I don't get it, but that's true. They do not love them. They prove it over and over and over again. So us in our corrupt state can live a life of not loving those that we ought to love. So I cannot make a statement on that. That could be a truthful statement. Maybe your parents don't love you. But what you can't say is, I am unlovable. Do you understand? When you say I'm unlovable, what you're doing now is you're attacking your core identity. You're changing who you are. (laughs) And not only that, you're really causing a problem with God and his promises. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
or but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he showed his love to, towards you when he came and died for you, even though you were still spitting on his face, even though you were using his name as a curse word every day when you went to work, even though you would go and do drugs and were immoral and so forth, he still came to show his love toward you, and he died in your place for you. Amen? So you can never say, I am unloved or I'm unlovable. No, you are very lovable because you are loved. You're loved by the God of heaven, and that will never change. That will never change. Whether you're lost, you don't know Christ, um, whether you're saved and you know Christ, whether you're saved and you're backslidden. Well, I've never really walked with God since I've gotten saved. I haven't been doing right. Guess what? His love didn't change because if he loved you while you were yet a sinner, then why in the world wouldn't he love you after you got saved and backslid? Amen. His love is constant and true. So you can't make God a liar. And that's what Satan wants you to do by making that statement, I am unlovable. He's attacking God. He, he always does this. He messes with your identity so he can say to God, see, <laughs> it's about him and God. I will be like the most high. His issue, you're just a pawn in his game. You're just something he's trying to use to attack the one that he hates the most. And that is the God of heaven. Amen? So be careful of that. So unlovable, defective, uh, those type of things. Uh, many times I have a conversation with somebody and these lies come out in their, their talk. Sometimes you'll have children and your children in a, in a, in a time of uh, turmoil or maybe their friends ditched them or something happened, something terrible happened as far as their context anyways, and out of their mouth will come these words. And as a parent, you, your ears are open, you're saying, ooh, where did that come from? And there's been many times I've heard my children say things, and I said, let's stop right there. <laughs> let's stop right there. It may be something like, oh, I'm garbage. I just feel like a piece of garbage. Well, that's an identity problem. You are attacking your very identity and you're playing into the hands of Satan himself in his attack against the Father in heaven. Amen? Lies are never something productive. <laughs> They're never going to do a good thing for you. Amen? And so Cain had this. He had this lie. Um, in Hebrews 11 and verse 4, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. It's an amazing thing, Abel offered by faith. How, how can you offer something by faith? What is the primary ingredient needed for you to do anything by faith? It's a very tangible thing. And it's probably right in front of you on your lap. <laughs> Amen. And what you need is, in order to be a person of faith, you need this book. So when Abel offered the sacrifice to God... That, that lamb, it wasn't Abel's idea, okay? Abel didn't say, you know what? I think a better sacrifice would be a lamb. What do you think? That's not what Abel did. Abel simply listened to what God had been saying through his dad or whoever was, was giving the, the instruction. He says, I'm just going to do what I'm told to do. They want, the Lord wanted a lamb. I'm going to give a lamb. See, in order for you to walk by faith, it has to always be based in the Word of God. 
Today, it's different in churches. They, they say, well, no, faith is whatever you want. You just name it and claim it, and that's what you can have. I'm sorry, that's not true. Your faith has to be grounded in a statement that God has made, a promise, something that is tangible, because the power of your faith does not come in the fact that you just use your faith. The power of your faith comes from the fact of the promise that the faith is grounded in. That's where the power to complete it comes from. Amen? So you don't have the power, and I've heard people say this, well, you know, if God spoke the world into existence, you can just speak something into existence. Well, I could do that if God told me to speak something to an existence, and then I would. But he didn't, never told me that. So I can sit here and say, hey, out of nothing, something. And I'll sit there till my dying day, and nothing will happen. Because there's no power in that statement, because it's not based in Scripture. Amen? So Abel did not just come up with a plan. Abel did these things because he followed the word of God. And because of that, it says that he offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness, it became a witness that he was righteous. The righteousness of your life will be evidence, evidence by your belief and obedience to this book. Amen? That is the witness. (laughs) All right? Then it goes on to say, God testifying of his gifts, so God makes a big deal of you doing the right thing, and it says, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Well, I want to leave something for my kids. Well, that's fine, and it's okay to leave them a bank account and some money and a house or whatever else. But if that's all you're leaving them, you're leaving them very little. Because you have to leave them something that's tangible and something when you're dead, it will continue to speak. And what is that? That is your life simply doing what the Bible tells you to do. Amen. My grandfather, I don't know him. He died um, on my mother's side anyways. He died when I was a baby. He was hit by a car. He was, uh, he was selling his car uh, back in, I guess, 1968 when I was born, that year. And um, the, the fellow took off with it and went around the block and came back. And when he drove up to the driveway, my grandfather was standing in the driveway right in front of his garage door. And he just didn't put on his brakes and he just drove him right into the garage. And there was a mo- uh, um, one of those jet monuments on the front uh, of the hood you know how they did back then they'd have those little ornaments up there and that impaled him they say well that's quite an accident that just well no that was god's will it's hard it's a wound but there's truth there that can get you through that they agree (laughs) you know and so I was actually in my mother's arms that day, standing in the front yard as my mother was watching this happen. Something my father, my grandfather always did is he prayed that he'd have a grandson that would be a preacher. And I'm the product of that. See, he being dead yet speaketh. Because he, oper- he operated according to the scripture. Amen. Um, My mother tells me many times that she saw him have the the word of God laid out on the table and every morning he would read the Bible. 
That's what I know about him. When there were baptisms down by the river, he would gather up all of his kids, and they'd bring them down. Let's go watch people get baptized. That's what I know about my grandfather. He being dead yet speaketh. Amen. Now you can leave them a million dollars and everybody say, yee-hoo, <laughs> as they blow your money. Amen. That's going to end one day and it's not going to go on forever. But even though I don't know him, I know much. I know enough. Enough to carry me through and to know that, that exactly what I need to know about my grandfather. Amen. What a powerful thing that is when, when you do what the Bible tells you to do and you leave that for your kids. It's important. Amen. That's truth. It's powerful. It has a, a great impact. Um, Cain, Cain's lie produced anger and hatred directed toward his brother. So this young man that was going to buy that car could have definitely become the object of hatred. He could have become an object of our bitterness. And because of that, we would have started believing lies about ourselves. And I could say, oh, what's wrong with this? Oh, it's because of him. That's why, that's why I feel this way about myself. That's why I'm so angry and, and so forth. So I'm, I'm, I'm casting it on him. I'm putting the blame on him for why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. It's all because I cannot process. I can't process what happened to my grandfather. Because I cannot see the truth. My truth is that all that took place is this guy, because he's such a lousy driver, was so careless that he killed my grandpa. And people go through their lives thinking stuff like that. (laughs) But when the truth comes in, this was God's will. It's hard to swallow. But God allows it. You know, your life down here and your body down here are very little consequences. Do you know that? Because you're getting a new one. (laughs) So this one right here is really not worth a whole lot. It's just something for you to truck around with while you're down here. (laughs) Amen. And so we can't make a big deal of all this stuff down here. God will easily use those type of things to accomplish his eternal purpose. That's truth. And what that'll do is that will help me release the bitterness. To realize that, you know, maybe God had something planned for that young man. And I don't know what, I don't know who he is. I don't know what happened to him. But I'll guarantee you this. That because of what happened to him, it created a wound in his life. And God either helped him to become greater. Or he believed the lie and became less. But it all had a purpose. You understand that? And if you don't believe that as a believer... You live a very pathetic life. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> There's nothing that happens to us that doesn't have a purpose. <laughs> you know, just like Job. Everything that happened to Job in his life, it went by the throne. He says, yes, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And it was all part of God's plan, as horrible as it seemed. Losing all his children in one day, losing his health, his, his riches, everything else, and so forth. Yet it was all allowed by God, you know. Let's just be careful that these things don't happen to us because of our stupidity. And stupidity, I don't mean like, well, I don't know how to drive. What I'm talking about is our sinfulness, where we drop the hedge of protection. That's what your sin does. Uh, You start uh, turning to hallucinogenics and alcohol and stuff for your medication to medicate your lies and so forth. What you're doing is you're bringing down a hedge. 
where God's saying, you know, I'm not necessarily allowing this, but you're giving permission for Satan to infiltrate your life. So if, I, if something's going to infiltrate my life, I want it to be based on what God has allowed, Amen. not what I have allowed because of my sin. <laughs> Amen. I want it because God has dropped the hedge, not because I'm dropping the hedge because of my sin. <laughs> Amen. That's why he says, don't suffer as an evildoer. He says, if you suffer, suffer for conscience sake, suffer for righteousness sake. He says, for me, that's acceptable. Amen. So, um, his lie produced anger, hatred. Um, he took out his anger on Abel because Abel was acceptable. So he also applied that to Abel. He is acceptable to God. God accepts him, but he doesn't accept me. <laughs> Becomes personal. Amen. That's why envy is one of the worst things that you can ever go through. Envy is what put Jesus Christ on the cross. The Pharisees envied him, and that's why they put him on the cross. Uh, envy is what brought Joseph into slavery, even though God allowed it because Joseph's head was up. But God allowed him to be put into slavery. God allowed him to be brought to Egypt. And he understood this because later on when the, his brothers thought that he was going to just turn on them and kill them, as soon as their dad died because they thought dad was protecting them, Joseph said, come on, who am I God? Why, why am I in the place of God? He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it unto good. And then he goes on to give the specific purpose. He says, to save much people alive. God allowed me to go all through, through these things so I could be used to save my people that were in a different land with this plan of storing up the grain. And that's why when you came to me, I gave you grain, <laughs> you know. And so it had a purpose. And because he had purpose, he was able to process what happened to him in life. He wasn't bitter at his brothers. He was able to say, guess what? It's okay. I mean, it was hard. But yet at the same time, I understand why God allowed this. There was a purpose for it. And when you will not receive the purpose that God has for your suffering, that's when you're bitter. And if you're bitter, it's because you've got a problem with God. And you've got a problem with suffering. And you've got to deal with it. Amen? That's powerful truth, isn't it? Our feelings guide the way we behave. This is what we need to understand. So our, our lies will produce or cause us to feel a certain way. And then our feelings guide the way we behave. And this is why it says there um, how the Lord said, If thou doest well... Shalt thou not be accepted, but if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. So if you don't deal with this issue in your heart, you are going to sin. Your behavior will be bad. Amen? That's why many times, even, even prostitutes, uh, people like that, that get involved in those lifestyles, many of them have baggage of father issues and lies that they believe about themselves because of abuse they have gone through personally. So you can go and condemn them and say, oh, you're doing wrong, you're just a dirty, rotten. You can say that, and what they're doing is dirty and rotten. <laughs> but at the same time, a person that loves them and cares about them will also understand that they need more than that. They don't, don't just need condemnation like the Pharisees when they were going to stone the woman that committed adultery. They were, they, she was needing somebody to help her with her inner issue. Amen. And that's where true Christians need to come in and help them examine these things. And why are you doing this? Why, 
Why is thy countenance fallen? You know, that's what God did for Cain. He didn't just discard him. He wanted to help him. Now, he wouldn't receive it. So, he took his anger out. In 1 John 3, verse 12, it says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his work, own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. He had already developed a deep resentment and envy of his brother. And in his own mind, he says, I can never do right. I can never be like my brother, because I'm unacceptable. And so his only recourse was to destroy his brother's memory from his own life. That way I can move on from my pain. But it's not true. His pain just began when he did that. And our behavior brings terrible consequences. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 11, God says to him, Now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. <laughs> he did, all he could do was focus on the punishment. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's worldly sorrow. There's two kinds of sorrow. Godly sorrow, worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. So if you feel bad about what you've done, it will it'll help you change your mind about what you've done and change your direction, you know? But worldly sorrow is, oh, they're crying all right, but they're only crying because they got caught, or they're crying because when they got caught, the punishment was too hard for them to handle. And they're trying to get out of it by shedding tears. That's why the Bible says, spare not for their crying for your children when you're punishing them. They'll cry, oh, Dad, don't punish me. Son, I'm not doing this because I want to hurt you. I want you to be a better man, you know? And so you, you can't spare for the crying. You have to deal with them. You've got to correct them. You've got to do what's right for their sake, not for your sake. Amen? Jude 11, it says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. So what he did is he got himself in this, in this uh, famous group of people, <laughs> you know, uh, alongside Balaam and Korah, the rebel. And to this day, we relate Cain to that. Terrible consequences. Satan's main goal is to murder us by planting lies in our wounds. This is number one. He wants to destroy your life. The Bible tells us in John 8, verse 44, year of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father, you will do. Now, folks, you're wondering today what's going on with the abortion people. I'm going to tell you something. If you're born again here today, you are absolutely against abortion. Well, I'm not against it. Well, be careful because you're admitting something. The Bible tells us here, year of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, ye will do. You will, you will do the longings of your father. They say you're the chip off the old block, right? <laughs> That means if you're born again, you're a child of God, you have the longings of the Father in heaven for this world. <laughs> if you are not saved and your father is the devil, like Jesus is telling these people, then you will desire what the devil wants. And it goes on to say, what is he? He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. He speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, 
for he is a liar and the father of it. Amen. There's a lot of that passage. It tells us about lies, tells us about murder. Anybody that's for murdering babies is not a born-again Christian. Say, so how can you say that? Well, just from this verse. You know, the lusts of your father ye will do. And if you're promoting the killing of babies, <coughs> that's what Satan would do. But I'll tell you who wouldn't do that. Our Father in Heaven. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Christ is in my heart. I don't want to see one baby die. Got great compassion for them. Jesus Christ was much displeased when they kept the children from him. And he said, he said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. And he took them upon his knees and he, and he blessed and he prayed for them. Oh, what a powerful thing. I would have loved to have been those kids. Amen. They were probably just riding cloud nine from that day forward. I sat on Jesus' lap. <laughs> Amen. Blessed. Blessed by Jesus himself. That's what Jesus would do to a baby. He definitely wouldn't tear him apart. You understand? I mean, this is my greatest argument. <laughs> right here against abortion. Right there. The lies we believe sown of Satan in our wounds will feed our fleshly lusts if they are not rooted out. And so in partial ways, those lies that are Satan, because he's the father of it, the lies that he has planted in your wounds will also produce fleshly lusts. <clears throat> fleshly longings. And that's what creates the vows. That's what creates the fruit off the branch. It's based on Satan's influence. Amen? Even though in my spirit I know that's where the conflict is because I, could, I become a double-minded man. Only a saved person could be double-minded. Amen. A lost person, they have just one mind, and they'll just do what the devil wants. But a saved person, you can actually have God inside of you prompting you to do the right thing, but you can also have the lies of Satan in you directing you to follow the lusts of Satan, and so you can have two minds going on. That's why you want to go to church and don't at the same time. Amen. <laughs> do you understand that? That's why you got the battle. That's the battle of the flesh and the spirit. Amen. That's, a, that's only for children of God. Only we can go through that. And so, <clears throat> the end of a fleshly life is death. Now, these passages, they really bother me sometimes. And like in Romans 8, verse 5, it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity with God, it's against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So when I have a lie that's producing these things in my life, and, and I'm following these desires that come out of this lie, like Cain, I am in no way and I cannot please God in any way whatsoever. There's no pleasing God in that. I'm actually become the enemy of God, you know. So we got to understand our beliefs will produce the emotion. The emotion will affect your behavior. Your behavior will bring judgment and consequence. Now you have a way out of this, <laughs> this whole cycle here. Cain got to the end of that road and to the end of that whole thing when God tried to help him at the beginning. I always say there's first day and second day. God came to him in the first day. He said, 
deal with your lie, buddy. Because if you don't, you're going to do something wrong. First day stuff. But then he went out and killed his brother. Now he's on the second day. The second day stuff is now the blood's crying from the ground. No more talk about being acceptable or unacceptable. Now God's just saying, now we've got to deal with the blood. Now we've got to deal with your behavior. We've got to deal with the consequence of your actions. You know? And if you don't repent right in that moment and have a godly sorrow, you will never get back to the first day to deal with the inner lies. And so you'll go to the, your dying day with this belief that I'm unacceptable because you're unrepentant because of your behavior. All right? And so dealing with lies. I'm going to go very quickly. I don't want to take more time here. We've got to get through this. Number one, exposing the lies. Expose the lies that drive your emotions. Okay? So when you feel a certain way, something triggers you. Uh, Cain was triggered. I believe he went out and he saw Abel in the field. The field is Cain's field because Cain was a planter of the ground. Amen? He's the one that planted things in the ground. Those are the things that were rejected by God. Abel was standing in the field, and it could have been, I can't say this for sure, but it could have been that the field had a part of triggering Cain's envy and hatred toward his brother. And so you'll have triggers. And in those moments of high emotional situations in your life, whenever you've lost it, and you start, the garbage starts coming out, this is where you stop and say, what in the world is going on here? My emotions are wrong, and my, now my tongue is taking what's in my heart and spewing it up like some filth on the shore. <laughs> Amen? And so now I need to find out, wh- what do I believe that's causing this? And it's right there. I mean, all you got to do is open your eyes. It'll be there. Amen? And I usually just tell them that, well, how do you feel? How do you feel? Well, I feel like I'm worthless. It'll usually come down. The first will be, I'm mad. And I'll say, well, let's put away the mad. Let's find out what's under the mad. What do you feel about yourself there? And usually it'll come out like, I'm worthless. I'm like, well, where'd you get that idea? And immediately, folks, this is, the, this is psychology. And, I, and folks, there's parts of psychology that are not wrong. Psychology can be used good when they measure things right. Amen? The ruler, somebody in the world created a, a ruler with 12 inches on it. It seems to work for me, and I'm saved. <laughs> Amen? And so the world has some things that they've figured out. And some of those things are based upon measurement. And measurement uh, has produced some, some knowledge. And what they've discovered is, is that emotions are always connected to belief, and your belief are always buried in memories that's where it entered in every time you feel something you've started feeling that somewhere in your life you didn't come out of the crib angry ah! <laughs> that anger came upon you at some point and so when that anger or that feeling you have of being worthless that didn't come from you right out of the, right out of the cradle that was learned later on so what happens is when you follow your emotion back and you talk to God about it and say, Lord, show me, where did I start believing this garbage? And he will lead you through your emotion to your belief, to the exact memory, and you'll remember what dad said, what mom said, what took place, and all that situation will be revealed. Now, if you don't like that, because it's a source of pain, that memory 
is a place that you have not visited a whole lot. And the reason why, it's producing something you don't like. You've been spending your whole life running from it. Amen. So now the preacher is saying, go there. He said, no, I don't want to go there. Well, then keep going on feeling the way you feel because you will not get over this. You have to face it and stare it down. You have to have courage. And with God at your side, you have to face that particular pain and square in the eye. Don't be a coward. Don't cower in the face of it. You've got your, your, your victor on your side, Jesus Christ. And he will show you that. And then basically what you're going to do, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here. You're going to ask him, Lord, what do I believe here? What's wrong about this? And you know what? You're going to start understanding that, you know what? This is where I started feeling like I was worthless. And then you'll talk to God and you'll say, Lord, please tell me the truth. Please tell me the truth. And if you can stay there and look at that and stare that down and have that lie being revealed to you, and you can say to God, show me the truth about this, God will open up your spiritual eyes and you'll see him there. You'll say, this is the truth. And immediately, and I tell you immediately, that lie will be pulled out of that, that memory and will be cast away. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit of God, will take the truth and plant it in the wound. And guess what will be produced? Peace. And somebody will say, hey, what happens when you think about that? <laughs> say, man, I just got peace about that in my life. <laughs> well, that's because truth and peace work together. Truth always produces peace. If you have peace in the situation, there's truth there. If you don't have peace, truth is not there. Amen? I always tell people the reason why they have areas in their life that are causing you in your past turmoil and pain is because there's an area of your life you have not allowed God to reveal himself to you in. You, you refuse to admit that God was there. And if you would see him there, you would see the truth. And if you would see the truth, you would be made free. For the truth shall make you free. Amen? And so that's what you need to do. I always tell people... You know, how do I find out when I look back at my past? How do I find out if there's something that isn't right? Well, I use a verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. It doesn't say for everything, praise the Lord, because <laughs> there's some things I just can't give thanks about, you know, some of these ungodly things. But he doesn't say, thank me for the trauma that happened to you. Maybe there's a time you will. But he's saying, in the trauma, you need to find thanks. Well, how can I find thanks in this crazy situation that happened to me? He says, you will find thanks when you see me. And the reason why you cannot give thanks is because you don't see me. You don't see my purpose. You don't see the truth. 
So all you've ever been looking at is that wound with this lie stabbed into it. And that's all you've seen from that whole, your whole life. And I've seen people that over the space of 30, 40 years, all they've done is look back and saw this gaping pain pool and never getting past it. And some people get seduced by that. In fact, some people want it. They don't even know who they are without it. I, I talked to one person and I said, would you like to deal with this? He said, I don't know. I said, well, why wouldn't you? I don't know who I'd be without it. See, that's how intrinsically it changes your identity. It convinces you that you're somebody else and you're scared to find out what you would be if that was not in your life. (coughs) But that's exactly what God wants you to find out. Because (coughs) Jesus wants to peel away the lies that are keeping the true you buried. The you that you've never seen. And some of you say, well, I've been a Christian a long time, but have you dealt with stuff, (laughs) you know? Have you allowed the onion to be peeled, getting down to the core? Because when you allow that to take place, that's when the true you begins to emerge. And so you are not complete yet, but you can be made complete in your practical life if you allow Christ to do that for you. Amen? And so you need to emerge from this because you're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Are you getting what I'm saying here? And I know I'm just kind of blah, blah, blah here, you know. But this is what I do when I talk to people. I just blah a lot. And as I do this, you know what's going on in their heads? It's like that thing just bloop, bloop, bloop. And every one of you says, you know what? I got something right there. And you might even be standing in the memory right now. (laughs) And that lie just looking you right in the face. If you've got to that point where you're in the memory, where you're seeing the lie, you know how close you are to victory? This close. All you have, this is, I'm not talking about (laughs) 10 years of psychotherapy. Punch this pillow, please. That's Freudian garbage. Fighting against a super ego. (laughs) Super ego is your conscience, by the way. Your conscience was not meant to be punched. The conscience needs to be molded by truth. (laughs) And the more you work against your conscience, the more your conscience becomes defiled. So punching pillows is the wrong thing to do. Venting is the wrong thing to do. You take your pain and you bring it upwards. <laughs> Amen. So if there's a vent, it should be on the top of the roof. <laughs> you know, let it go up to the Lord. Not just venting out. You know, what they tell you in the Freudian principles is, is that when you're punching that pillow, you're fighting against your superego. You're, you're pushing against it. Your superego has been trying to tell you, don't get mad. Don't lose your temper. And this guy's telling you, you know what? You need to just get past that barrier. Punch it! That's the one good thing your conscience has been doing is telling you to behave yourself. Don't go against it. <laughs> Amen? You understand that? That's why I don't, I don't trust this world. <laughs> it's full of garbage. Like I said, some psychology is good. I mean, the 12-inch ruler is 12 inches. It helps me measure things that are 12 inches long. And you know, the fact of the matter is, they can measure how long I sleep in the night and how many dreams I have, and great, I'll learn something from that. But folks, when it comes to delivery, there's no psychotherapist on this planet that can bring you true delivery in your life. For the truth will make you free. That's what frees you. 
Ye that are spiritual, restore such a one. It's God's words. Preachers are cowering in the background. Oh, I can't help this person. I don't have an MDDDD. You know, you don't need an MDD. You just need the D book. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, I know that was stupid. <laughs> Please don't make that a meme. <laughs> Do you understand that? You need a source of truth that's powerful, powerful. And when this enters in, my friend, you will be free. You will be free. So really at this point, we need to understand that you need a biblical perspective of the situation that you're dealing with. A biblical perspective. Not your own imaginations. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself, we cast that down. That is not it. You've come up with your idea. It's garbage. Get rid of it. Let's go to the truth. Let's get a biblical idea. That's what, that's what Joseph had. He says, oh, no, no. I'm not mad at you guys because I know God did this and he did this so I could save much people alive. He got a biblical perspective of his pain and suffering. And that's what you need to do. Now, there's one thing that will step in the way here. If you are suffering for any reason whatsoever and you've got emotional pain, there's usually people attached to it. You've got faces that are popping up. Those people, you have to release them. If you do not release them, you'll continue on in your pain until Jesus comes. See, those people aren't the reason why you're feeling the way you're feeling. They didn't make you feel that way. Oh, you make me so mad. Nobody made you mad. You got mad because of what you believed. And what you believe is based on what you choose. I love it. (laughs) I love it that my freedom is based upon my choice. Amen? Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad it's not based upon who hurt you? Aren't you glad it's not based upon whether they do right or don't do right today? (laughs) Oh, if they would just do right, then I would feel better. No, they wouldn't. They'll do right and you'll still be rotten to the core. You have to release them. Let God deal with them. In fact, it's only as you release them that God will actually start dealing with them. Because he will not allow you to gloat in their punishment. You have to let them go. If they deserve punishment, you trust God and say, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You take it. I'm done with it. And now you let them go. You say, now Lord, I am taking responsibility for the way I feel. This is my fault. Okay, if you're blaming the person that did it to you for the way you feel today, only thing that can happen is somehow, magically, that person has to release you of the way you feel. Or I tell people you got to get in a time machine, go before it happened, and don't go there. (laughs) Amen. But then there'll just be another thing. You get that? Other people cannot control your freedom, it's your choice. You have to take responsibility. That person that abused you did wrong. It's their fault that they did it. But now the way you processed it and the way you feel about yourself is not their fault. It's your fault. Your responsibility. You have the choice. And that's why it's so great. In a very short time, not two years of psychotherapy punching pillows, I can now go to the Lord in a moment 